Today's episode is brought to you by Makerist. Makerist is your new favorite online craft destination and Europe's largest online pattern marketplace. And now they're expanding into the global market to bring their huge selection of PDF sewing, knitting, crochet, and embroidery patterns to crafters everywhere. Check them out at Makerist.com. Thank you so much, Makerist. And now, here's the show. episode 182 of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals where you can strengthen your creative business, stay up to date on industry news, and build connections within our supportive trade association. Check it out at craftindustryalliance.org. Today on the show, we're talking about building an audience as a sewing blogger with my guest, Alexis Bailey. Alexis is a DIY sewing blogger, sewist, and recently hand sewist. She is passionate about sustainability, intentional making, and natural fibers. Alexis Bailey, welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's so good to talk to you. And I am just super impressed with the platform and audience that you have built online in a pretty short period of time. And that's really what I want to talk to you about. Um, because I think often people kind of get intimidated when they kind of discover the online sewing community or the online craft community. They take a look around and then they think, it's impossible to just jump in now, you know, and build a following because it just seems so crowded. And how can I make room for my own voice? But you've totally done it. And so that's what I'm excited to talk to you about. Um, so let's jump back and see how you did this. Um, so, um, so let's go back to the way beginning. Where did you, um, grow up? Uh, and what were you kind of like as a kid? Were you kind of creative as a kid? Um, I grew up in a small town in Kansas called Gardner. It's a really small town. Like everybody knows each other there. And, um, I guess I would call myself creative back then. I didn't really have an outlet for it in the beginning. I kind of just did whatever, you know, just arts and crafts and stuff in school. Um, but then I started getting into sewing. I used to, I don't know why, but I used to put needle and thread through tennis balls and like embroider letters into them. It was super weird, but I used to do that and play around with, you know, um, sewing in that way. And my aunt noticed, and my aunt at the time was a, uh, a seamstress for, she was a men's tailor for men's suits. And so she decided to, um, she noticed that I wanted to sew. And so she taught me how to sew on a sewing machine pretty much. Nice. And around how old were you? Were you like in middle school or a little younger? Probably like eight or nine, maybe. I Yeah. I, I mean, we moved here when I was like 13. So like eight or nine-ish. Okay. About the eight. Yeah. All right. And so she taught you how to, how to sew on a sewing machine. Did you have your own machine at that time or did she, were you yes. using hers? 
So a friend of ours, actually, um, at our uh, religious group, she gave me this very old 1950s white brand sewing machine. I still have it, but it's like big and huge and bulky and heavy, and it's teal colored. I don't really think they're used that much anymore, but you can find them on eBay. But um, that's that was my first ever machine. It was super old, and it only did straight stitch, so I was not familiar with anything zigzag, but that was my first machine and so she taught me how to sew on that and my first ever project on it was a pair of pajamas nice okay and did you have like entrepreneurial tendencies then too were you making anything and trying to like sell it at school or not really (laughs) like not really yeah we we me and a friend did do that we tried to start a, a fashion company and um it was interesting I mean I wasn't really familiar with commercial patterns at the time. So I thought that it would be smart to take other kids clothes and then try to copy them. Although I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. You know, we, we, we tried a little business and I don't know how successful and and it actually was, but you know, we tried and you know, it was trial and error at the age of nine or 10. (laughs) Right. Okay. So you, you had some ideas though about like sewing maybe as being some kind of a a entrepreneurial something way back in the beginning. We wanted to do something in the fashion design world and we thought that that would be our thing, but it it wasn't. (laughs) And were you interested? I mean, you have such an amazing style now and anyone who takes a look at your Instagram can just immediately see. I mean, I just think your style is so beautiful. And I just wondered, were you, you're welcome. Were you interested in dressing and in style and like fashion magazines and things like that when you were younger? Or is that something that was more recent? No, not at all. I was a super tomboy. Like growing up, it was just t-shirts, jeans and hair and a ponytail all the time. And my mom isn't that way at all. She's like the complete opposite, super girly nails painted all the time always wears a different outfit wears heels to the mall like the kind of person so um I kind of didn't want to be that person (laughs) so uh, as a kid I was just like super tomboyish but as I grew up and got married then um I think I slowly just naturally happened I just naturally started you know um wanting to dress differently, especially in the sewing community, you start wanting to be more creative with your clothes. So, you know, I just gradually and naturally started leaning towards, you know, um, style and things like that. Okay. And what did your parents do for work when you were younger? What were when you were growing up? My mom was in the actually, they both were in sales, actually. Um, They're very entrepreneurial. Um, My dad had a multiple businesses of his own. And my mom was uh, working at JCPenney. She's actually worked there for, for years, actually. Okay. All right. Great. And um, and then you said that you moved, and I know you now live in Dallas. Um, so your, your family moved to Texas, it sounds like, when you were sort of a teenager. Yeah, I was about 12. It was, yeah, I was like 12 or 13. And we moved here. Yeah. Okay. And then what did you um what what did, what were you, what did you do after high school? What were you thinking you were going to do as an adult? Um I never really had plans. <laughs> you know, they try to like like all during high school, you know, they try to get you to go to the counselors so you can figure out your life and everything and you know, I I only had, you know, plans to just do a volunteer ministry work. I never really had 
plans for schooling just because I knew we didn't have the money for college. And I wasn't really interested in any field um, specifically at the time that I wanted to stick with. And I wasn't the type of person that wanted to like go into college and then change my major. I wanted to know exactly what I wanted to do. So it just ended up, I just didn't really do anything after high school. I, I went into um, medical billing and coding, but I didn't really stick with that. And so I just kind of worked mostly. I was just working multiple jobs until I found the thing that I wanted to do, which I really didn't find until about two years ago. <laughs> and how, Okay, so how did you find it? Like, it sounds like sewing was that thing. Um, and I'm wondering, is that right? Sewing that sewing was that thing? Yeah, and, and that's why I totally am glad I didn't make the decision to go like straight into university or anything because I think it probably would have been a waste of money for me or I just would have been super unhappy because I just naturally found what I do now. Um, and it was mostly because clothes just didn't fit at the store anymore. Like I, I was, you know, getting older and in my like early twenties and I got married and just stuff wasn't fitting or I would realize how cheap quality things were at the store. Everything's polyester, everything shrinks in the wash. So I kind of just started making my own clothes after that. I remember we got a, a wedding gift card from one of our relatives and Matt had me use it to buy a new sewing machine, a more updated sewing machine <laughs> than, than the one I had. And so that kind of got the ball rolling and I started making my own clothes after that. They weren't the greatest, but they were wearable. <laughs> So were you prior to then kind of buying some clothes from kind of like fast, fast fashion real t retailers like H&M or Anthropology or, yeah. you know, places like that and, and kind of liking the way they looked, but then being disappointed after a few washes that they didn't hold yeah. up the way that you wanted? Yeah, it was a lot of H&M, like a lot of H&M and H&M. I mean, I, I still think they're great for like basics, but I was getting like all my clothes from there and they weren't really the greatest quality. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of, you know, realized it just wasn't working for me. I was wasting money and wasting time and resources. And so I would have just rather had a handmade wardrobe. And so I just started on that journey and everything. Okay. And so when you first decided, okay, maybe I should try out sewing again, you know, which was something that you had done a long time back. Um, most people who kind of get to, sew, you know, start sewing either again or for the first time, they turn to big four patterns because those are the ones they know about, like Simplicity or McCall's or Vogue patterns, something like that. And they often go to like a big box fabric retailer, like Joanne or Hobby Lobby or something like that to buy fabric because the, those are the places that they know about. Is that the same for you? Is that what where you went and what you what you um, where you shopped when you first started? Yeah, I think it took me a while to get to the pattern side. Um, I hadn't really been too familiar with commercial patterns. Like I remember when I first found out, like and discovered deeply like I think I had seen them but when I first found out like what the drawers in Walmart and Joanne actually were where the patterns were located right you just walk past like, them oh. usually like what's in there <laughs> exactly like I, I never really paid attention to them and so when I finally started using them I was like oh these were here this whole time <laughs> but for, for the most part I was doing like self-drafted stuff um I was like it was mostly skirts and like 
boxy tops kind of thing. Like you just make a slit in it and then you put it over and you make two seams and you have a shirt or, you know, you make a square, gather it and put some elastic in it and you have a skirt kind of thing. That's mostly how I started off. Um, and then I was using like Mimi G tutorials to start off too. She had like a pencil skirt tutorial where you didn't need a pattern. And so that's when I started making pencil skirts. So she would just get some stretch fabric and add a waistband to it and you have a pencil skirt after you make one seam. So I was kind of more on that spectrum. I don't even remember when I started using commercial patterns. I don't remember my first one either, but I remember it was after I joined the sewing community that I I did that because for the most part I was just making stuff up. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then when I joined the sewing community, I saw that people were using all these big four patterns. And so then I started getting into simplicity and then my collection started growing from there. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Mimi G, I feel like has had such a huge impact on so many people because they find her tutorials, her video tutorials, and then um, realize that they can, you know, figure it out, figure out how to sew something that they can really wear. Um, and, and sounds like that was really helpful to you getting started. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's great. And she's, she's, um, she's a huge, a huge force in sewing. So I think yeah, a lot. She, yeah, she really was. I mean, I had no idea where to start or anything. And I found this really super old video of her like it's like a dimly lit you can tell it's like when she first started but it was like a dimly lit video but you know it didn't even matter it was just I got the point and she made a pencil skirt and I made a pencil skirt and we both had pencil skirts right and that's all you needed yeah absolutely yeah that's all I needed and I just kept watching her videos from there and just it just went from there. Okay. So this was probably back in what, like 2018-ish, somewhere like that, a couple of years ago. Uh, it was like 2015, 2016. Okay. Yeah. So even before then. Um, and then yeah. – and so you were just making these clothes to wear just for yourself, for your own pleasure, yeah. just so that you would have something that was more lasting, more your style, fit you better – Um, and then what made you decide that maybe you should start posting pictures of yourself wearing them and kind of basically join the sewing community online as a presence versus just as somebody who is a consumer of these pictures? You know what I mean? You know, I, I don't know, um, what made me decide. I I think I just saw people doing it. I had like a personal Instagram account, um, And I just gotten, you know, I started feeling like I was becoming more relevant. Like I got an actual sewing table before I was sewing on like this foldable table and picking up my stuff and putting it into the room out of the living room. But then we moved to a condo and we had more space. And so I got like an actual sewing table. And then I started like, you know, thinking that I was the bee's knees and everything just because of that sewing table with all its space. <laughs> so I think like, you know, I was I was still making self-drafted stuff even at that time. And so I made this really, really pretty dress. It was like a, I guess the best way to compare it would be like an Ogden cami, like dress hack kind of thing with a gathered skirt. And so I made it from, from scratch without any pattern. And Matt was like, oh, you should post it. So I posted it on my personal account and it got like a lot of likes. And so then I just kind of, I was trying not to really be on Instagram that much anyway on my personal account. So I just turned my personal account 
into um, a new account, which at the time was, I named myself pomegranates and pieces because I liked pomegranates and I was making pieces. So, (laughs) so I created that Instagram account and I just started just posting stuff just cause. And then as I was posting stuff and, and developed the understanding of hashtags, then I started finding different people. Like I started finding Mimi G and I started finding Erica Bunker and different people like that. And then I was like, Oh, this is like a whole, I I was just following like five or six people. Then I realized it was a whole community. And at the time it was kind of still growing. So I was like, oh, okay. So then I started wanting to post more and more of my stuff and and everything and progress shots. And it just kind of went from there. Right. I mean, there's nothing more motivating than like a little taste of success, right? Like once you put up something and if somebody likes it, it's like you want more. You know what I mean? I feel like, yeah, that that like little bit of encouragement really makes you want. Yeah to do more and more. That's for, that's really interesting. And so you named it pomegranates and pieces. And obviously your, your site is not named that. Um, and your Instagram account is not named that your Instagram account and your site are both named after your name, Alexis Bailey. So, um, so what made you over time decide to change your, um, account names to your actual name, um, rather than have, um, kind of a more abstracted name? Cause I think sometimes people, you know, they worry about using their real name or they think maybe it would be better to use my real name. Um, I mean, you have a name that's pretty easy to pronounce and pretty easy to remember, which is lucky. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> but but um, but sometimes, yeah. So anyway, I guess what, what, what was your thought process there? Yeah, um, I mean, I remember it happened like right before I, I joined Indie. So I randomly decided to I wanted to step up my photos because I was taking random not not really random I was just joining the gaggle of people who were taking photos of their finished clothes and I wanted them to be a little better so um, I did one of those mentorship program things where you uh, learn how to do better on your social media and advance it so you can it was mostly to gain followers and I had the intent of you know wanting to make money off of a blog or off of social media at the time. Um, I don't really think I feel that way as much anymore. But at the time, I wanted to advance it so that I could make money off of it. So I did one of those uh, kind of rebranding mentorship programs. And one of the things that um, the mentor asked me was, why did you choose this name? And I was like, oh, because I like pomegranates and I make pieces. (laughs) And they were like, well, it's kind of a long name and people don't, and and it was true. People did not know how to spell pomegranates. (laughs) Like It was very difficult for some people. And so um, I noticed that a lot of people were just changing things just to their name. And my mentor was like, well, why don't you just change it to your name? And I never really thought of my name as like interesting or memorable or anything. And so I was like, oh, you know, I guess that would be a good idea. So I just changed it. I didn't really know what to put in front of it. I didn't want to be cheeky with any, you know, sewing puns. So I was just like, I'm the real Alexis Bailey. I feel like I'm real. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what it was. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and we'll talk about Indie Sew and, and, um, the experience of being part of that community in a minute. But, um, 
Did you start a blog around that same time as well? And and um, what role does the blog serve? Because I know a lot of people really feel like, oh, I have Instagram and I don't really like writing, so I don't really want a blog and I don't really see the need to have both. But for you, the blog um, seems to really serve a role kind of in conjunction with Instagram. And so I wondered if you could talk a little bit about why you like having both of those pieces. Um, I don't, I think when I started the blog was when I made a coat. Um, I made my first coat and it was a really nice coat actually. Um, but I made my first coat and that's when I decided to start the blog. And actually that was when I was still pomegranates and pieces. So I had started just a random WordPress blog. And then I noticed that people were being resources to the community. Um, Earlier, you mentioned that, you know, it's kind of, it is kind of saturated. So I didn't know what I could bring to the table. But as a beginner, I knew that I could bring my own beginner experiences to the table. And so that's kind of what made me just start putting stuff out there as far as pattern reviews. Um, You don't really see too many people do like major pattern reviews, like in details that much. At least I don't personally anymore. But that was, you know, I was in this phase where I was doing like, you know, in-depth reviews about like big four commercial patterns and everything. And so I just started off there um, after that coat. And then I made my first t-shirt and I thought it was so cool. And I made my first pair of jeans. It was kind of like a whole bunch of firsts. I just started putting up on the blog just to share my experiences. And then um, I started just thinking, you know, as I got more into pattern make pattern using and um, using big four patterns. Then I started compiling different lists, like um, the top patterns you can use to make a t-shirt, the top patterns for a trench coat, things like that. And I just noticed it was getting a lot of, well, at the time, a lot of following and a lot of interest. And so I just kind of kept doing that just to be a resource was the main goal of the blog. And that still is just to be a resource. Yeah. And it's it's helpful to people, right? I mean, a couple of yeah. those things that you said are helpful to people. It's helpful to people to see through the eyes of a beginner. You know, you might think, oh, that's not helpful to somebody, but it is, you know, a review of this pattern from the eyes of somebody who's just making it for the first time, who's a beginner, that's helpful. That perspective is helpful. Um, Those lists are super helpful. And, um, and the nice thing too about a blog versus Instagram is it's really lasting. You know, you have a place to send somebody that sort of stays in place and doesn't just scroll on past the way Instagram can. Yeah. I want to take a minute now to hear from our sponsor, Makerist. Hi, um, I'm Holly. I'm the country manager for Makerist.com. And tell me a little bit about Makerist. Um, so Makerist is uh, one of the largest online marketplaces for digital patterns, specifically ones designed by independent creatives. And we're currently the largest DIY online marketplace in Europe. Oh, wow. That's great. And so how do people um, get to sell their patterns on Makerist? Um, It's quite simple. Um, We have a little sell on Makerist uh, button at the top right-hand side of our screen, and we walk you through the process. Um, You have to provide us with a couple of your patterns um, just so we can do a little quality check, and then we get back in touch within three to five days usually. Um, and then we help you set up your shop. So it's quite a quite a smooth process. And what kinds of patterns, like what kinds of crafts are offered? 
Uh, we do all sorts of crafts, honestly. We um, have quite a lot of sewing patterns. That's one of our, our main areas, but we also have hundreds of patterns for knitting of all kinds, from beginner level blankets all the way up to very complex uh, cable knitting, crochet, um, embroidery patterns also, and we also uh, have a few plotting designers on our site. Nice. Okay, great. And are all of the patterns in English? Or are they in different languages? Yes. So makers.com that I manage is all in English, but we're also an international platform. So we have a German language version of our site, makerist.de, and then also a French version, which is makerist.fr. I could also mention that we have a really nice uh, discount code for your podcast listeners. Um, So the code is CA20. And with that, you can take 20% off uh, your first patent purchase on uh, any full price patent. Oh, nice. That's fabulous. Okay, so where should we go to use this awesome discount code? Uh, Directly to uh, www.makerist.com. That's awesome, Holly. Thank you so much for telling us about Makerist. This sounds amazing. No problem. Thank you. Thank you so much, Makerist. And now back to my conversation with Alexis. There's only so much you can really put in an Instagram caption, too. So if you want to, I really wanted to go in depth on some things just because that's just the type of person I am. I want to share all information as possible so that there are no questions. <laughs> so I I did make the blog for that reason, too, just to share vital information. It, it's completely different than it used to be. It's a lot better Um I don't remember the day that I like decided that it was enough to start because at that time it was like I was using just the free version. But when I really realized that it was going somewhere, then that's when I like invested in it and started putting more into it. And that was like a really happy decision for me that made me realize like, oh, I'm taking this seriously. (laughs) So yeah. And your blog has a very nice design. It's very um, clean. It's a lot of white space. It's very like, yeah, it's very modern. You know, it's not cluttered. It's it's easy on the eyes. So it's easy. It's easy for visitors to to check out. um, So people can go take a look and see um, what I'm talking about. But I think it's easy for people to, to, to read. And, and I wonder, do you think that having that blog was helpful to you when you applied to be part of the IndieSo testing group? Um, I think so. I mean, mainly since IndieSo was just mostly about blogging. Um, and, and I remember, like, I had never really had that many followers. I mean, I had followers to the blog, but once I started IndieSo, then I saw like so much more traffic than I had ever imagined go to the blog, like a a lot. And so I think it was useful, um, especially since I was sharing pattern information. Uh, One thing with IndieSo is that you had to talk about the pattern and you had to talk about the fabric at the same time. And so since I was pretty much used to talking about the pattern and as detailed as I, as I was trying to be, then I think that definitely assisted in the indie so thing yeah because i had a place you had a place to put all of it you know i don't know that you would have necessarily been chosen if you hadn't had a blog to 
Yeah. To put all of that. Yeah. So really helpful. Um, So Indie Sew, for people who aren't familiar, was a marketplace where pattern designers could sell their, um, you know, that sold independent pattern designers um, patterns and also sold fabric. And it it is no more, but it was really a lovely um, place. And one of the things that Allie Olson, who ran it, did was um, have teams of of people who would sew the, the patterns and show off how they would look. Um, and you applied. So, um, so talk a little bit about that, um, that experience of applying for it and being chosen for it and what that meant for your trajectory. Yeah. So it was, it was actually right after I rebranded and changed my name and I, I don't know why I even applied. Like it was really random actually, actually it was right before, honestly, actually, I I just thought about that. It was right before I rebranded, which is, which is also too, why I couldn't believe that I even got chosen because my pictures weren't the greatest, but, um, they had to choose seven people out of, I believe like 200 is what she chose, like seven of us. And I did not believe that I would, but I just applied just to apply. I saw it was paid and I was like, well, that's the goal. I want to get paid for blogging. So, you know, this is a good start. And I remember the day that I got the email and I was like, oh my gosh. And I only had like maybe 700 or no, I had like maybe like a thousand followers at the time, maybe like a thousand 500 or something like that on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Like 1500 followers. And so I was like, I don't know why, you know, but then I started looking and she chose a very diverse group um, of people. Like it, there was one person who had like 3000 followers. There was one person who had like 700 followers at the time. And so I was like, Oh, you know, that didn't matter. She was just focused on our skills and what we can bring to the table as far as sewing and as far as giving the reviews and what we had. And so that really spoke out to me too. And I really appreciated, um, that as well. And it was just a great team. Um, we, we all got close as a team. Um, like I talked to all of them. Um, we've all grown to each one of us from, from Indie So in our own different ways. Some of us make patterns. Some of us have complete businesses. You know, I, I do, I have my thing going on. And so it's just really cool to see how we all have come from Indie So and it definitely spearheaded um, us all going forward. Yeah. And I love the fact that Allie paid everybody too, like on that team, you know, and yeah. I feel like that means so much to people. And, it, you know, you don't have to pay somebody a ton of money, but to be able to be part of something like that and be compensated for your work, um, you know, and I know so many of these like really big brands who have ambassador programs and things like that. And, and I just would encourage them if they're listening to just pay the people who work with, with them, um, even if it's a modest sum, because it really does make a difference in their, you know, dedication to doing the work and just, you know, I mean, you applied because you were like, I want to get paid to blog and that's important. It's really important to people. So I just wanted to mention that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that as well. I mean, I, lately I've been, you know, as I've grown and as I've started my own business and as I've, you know, realized how little time I have to do things, then, you know, I, 
it's cool to get paid in fabric. And I remember when I started, you know, doing all of this, how I thought that was cool, like, oh, free stuff. Like, that was a really cool thing. But, you know, as you as you grow and you realize your experience with things and your value, then it really is true. If if business is understood, you know, if you pay people, you're going to get better quality versus if you give them product, then they're, I mean, they're going to talk about the product, but it's not going to be as genuine and as valuable as if you probably have paid them. And I really appreciated that. You know, I mean, all of my thoughts and, and posts and everything on Indie So were completely unbiased and we got to choose any fabric that we wanted um, in any way, in any pattern. And having that freedom and getting paid for it added to me wanting to even share my opinion genuinely with other people and it just made the whole the whole experience organic and so I definitely agree that it's important to pay people in in money and not always product. 100% and even like back when you were referencing when you went through your rebrand and you got some mentorship you know and and I'm sure like when you did that like you paid the mentor who who worked with you to help exactly. you like learn about you know how to how to um, take your business seriously and how to understand it better and um and it was probably worth every penny you know so yeah. and it and it was you know people people know their worth so if you know that you can charge for something then people will pay if you put your worth out there. So yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, absolutely. So I just wanted to put, put some word out there for that. So um, we <laughs> talked a, a little bit about um, Matt, who you've referenced a few times, who's your husband. Um, and he encouraged you to get the sewing machine and a couple of other things, nice things that you've already said about him along the way. But um, uh, he takes your um, your photographs that appear yes. on your blog and um, also on Instagram. And he is just such a good photographer. So you guys make yeah. a great pair um, together because, you know, I've often said that um, uh, having an online presence or selling things online is a photo contest and you've really got to have great photography, um, whether you, yeah. you know, hire somebody to do it or lucky or lucky enough to be married to somebody who can do it for you. So um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you go about doing photo shoots together and, and some of what you've learned over time, because um, when you scroll way back in, in the, the real Alexis Bailey, you see your old photos and they've certainly gone through a transformation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they have gone through a trend. I used to take my own, but they were just like around the house. And the first photo shoot we did was that the coat that I made. I guess I'll have to put that back on the feed. Actually, it's on the blog too, but it was the first photo shoot we ever did was this coat that I made. And he did a really great job. Like I didn't even know that he could take photos like that, but they were just perfect. I mean, you know how bloggers take photos and you get the details and the full frontal and the back and all of that. And he just did that naturally. And so after that, he kind of just became my photographer. And then he started taking it super seriously, which is what he does now. Um, he's actually just recently got, well, it's, it's an older model, but it's a new camera to him and it's way better than the one he was using before. But, um, he started, you know, just really getting into it and it really helped. And so now, we went from being 
I photo shoots for like two, three hours trying to get it right because I'm a super perfectionist sometimes and I want to make sure everything is conveyed accurately and so there's no questions or things like that. And it's for the blog, so I want to make them look good. So our photo shoots used to be like super long. We used to take forever to find locations. We used to spend time getting the right angles and everything. But now they take like 30 minutes because <laughs> we just plan everything out. We have a, a specific garment bag that we just throw everything into. It's small and compact and we just put it all in the car and we drive and we take the photos and then we come back home. And it's really become a, a great process because it's, it's easy, you know, to, well, sometimes it's easy to use a tripod and a, a remote, um, Occasionally, I will do that just because I know I need something in a specific way because he's more of an artistic kind of cameraman and he has his own way of taking photos. But having somebody else's eye see you is very helpful. So, I mean, if it wasn't him, I would find some friend to do it. But he's just the, the greatest partner with all of this. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And um, your photos are, are really are really great. I would agree with you that having somebody else take those pictures of you is extremely helpful. Um, so, so you recently started a business, and it sounds like really from the very beginning you had an intention of kind of figuring out a way to turn this into a business. I mean, you you said you wanted to make money blogging, weren't sure like what the best way to do that was, and that was the indie so thing. And you know, there's a lot of different ways to. Um, to turn something like this into a business. You can run ads on your blog. You can do sponsorships, like sponsored posts with different brands. Um, you know, there's like a lot of, you can teach. Um, you could uh, design patterns and sell patterns. You kind of have to figure out like, where do I fit? You know, what do I want to do? How do I want to to turn this and turn my audience basically into somebody into something that pays me? Um, and um, anyway, you figured you figured something out that I th I think is working. Um, so um, it's called Thimble and Snip, and it's pretty unique. It's not the direction I would have guessed, but it's super interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting. So tell us a little bit about um, about it and then about how you kind of um, decided on this particular direction. Yeah, so um, it's, a, it's a hand sewing kit business, but it's hand sewing clothes. And so um, I, it really started like last year, I was really wanting to do something different. But there's, there's so many saturated markets in the sewing industry that you have to be really different. And what I mean by that is like, you know, you can be a pattern designer, but you want your patterns to be different so that they're interesting because, you know, how many tank top patterns are there? However, like there's five different patterns and all of the tank tops are different. And so I didn't really know how to be that creative. <laughs> I'm not really the best when it comes to making different types of looking clothing. So I didn't really want to go into pattern making and you know, I, I wasn't really too um, knowledgeable of how to start blogging completely for money as a full-time gig. And so I just wanted to do something that was really different, but also helpful to the community in the best way possible. And that was resourceful and, and made a difference to people in the best way. I didn't really know how to do that. And then we took a trip to Europe last year, and I really wanted to bring... Um, my sewing machine with me, but it's super big and bulky and we're going across the country. So that wasn't going to happen. And with 
we backpacked, so we didn't want to do any checked baggage, which if you bring knitting needles and stuff, sometimes you have to check the bag depending on the country. So that wasn't going to happen. So I pretty much went without any hobby over across the country. And I was like going through withdrawals. Like <laughs> I can totally understand in, that. In spare time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such a, a sewist thing. You know, you're in Italy, but you really want your sewing machine. Like how petty is that? <laughs> but, um, we came back and I, I realized like, okay, so we came back and I was like buying all this fabric when we came back. And one of the things that I bought, um, while we were gone was I bought a, um, wool in the gang kit, um, knitting kit. And I had never done wool in the gang before. Um, I had a craving for knitting while we were abroad. So when we came back, I got a wool in the gang kit and I was like, Oh, and so I pulled out the kit and I was like, this is so cool. Like they give you the, the yarn and the needles and the instructions and you just pull it out and you just start knitting. And I was like, well, why can't we do this with sewing? And I was like, oh, we can do it with sewing, but you have to hand sew, which like automatically I was like, that's a super long, tedious process. So that's just not going to happen. And then I just kind of went my own way mentally and just didn't even think about it. And but it still occasionally crossed my mind. So I wanted to see if anybody was doing it. And I came across a Bernadette Banner, who is a historical seamstress. Um, And she they make she makes a historical clothing and costuming and things like that. And she was hand sewing clothing and like in the most, yes, tedious and precise and cool way. But she was doing it and she wasn't making it difficult, like making it look difficult either. She was making it look super easy. And so I just started implementing some of the techniques that she was doing. And I I forgot what the first, the first thing I hand sewed was a pair of free range slacks. I don't know why I chose that. That's like the, the most, it's not hard, but if you don't know what you're doing and you just decide to hand sew free range slacks without having any instructions, it's kind of a a process, (laughs) but I just decided to play with them and I hand sewed a pair of free range slacks and you, you can, it's actually on my Instagram, but I, that was the first thing I ever hand sewed. And I was like, Oh, this is a full fledged pair of pants that I completely made by hand. So it's possible. And then I hand sewed a strata top by uh, so liberated. And after that, I had like pants and a shirt. And I was like, oh, Okay, well, this should be a business now. And so, <laughs> so I started working to make it one, of course, then the pandemic hit. So then I kind of, you know, questioned what I was doing and the relevance of it. <laughs> but that's pretty much the story of how it was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so fascinating. And it's really old fashioned, you know, it really like, Super. yeah, connects you to, you know, a time gone by. But at the same time, it also feels very today in the way of, you know, slow stitching and feeling really, I mean, it's the absolute opposite of fast fashion, right? (laughs) It's like, it's really connecting you to what it is to make a garment and to every stitch. And um, yeah, which is, I mean, it's really fascinating that way. You know, you would love that piece of, of clothing in a way that Maybe you would never love anything else, you know, if you've if you've stitched it by hand. So it's true too, very 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 true. And I don't think it wasn't until then that I really I think I've always been into um, 
sustainability since I started sewing and I realized polyester was not for me and I started getting into more natural fibers um, just because I just I just love them and I love you know the the impact it doesn't have as much on the environment and just knowledgeable that I'm wearing something that you know is clean with no chemicals things like that but once I started hand sewing more things then I realized how tapped into making I really felt versus being on a sewing machine um, has that automatic mentality of oh we have to finish this but when you're like making a, a garment by hand it's like I'll finish this when I want to like, right <laughs> it's kind of thing. it's on its own yeah. schedule yeah yeah, yeah so and it, and it really was it was just like I'll get to it when I get to it you know it's just here you know sometimes because I have an industrial machine, I still get into that like speedy, like I need mm-hmm. to finish this now kind of thing. But you know, when I sit and do a hand sewing project, it's very similar to, to doing a knitting project. You just do it and then you put it down and then you pick it up when you feel like, and you know, when you want to put it down and come back to it two weeks later than you can. And you know, eventually you'll finish it maybe next year, but you know, it's just a, it's just supposed to be a slow process really experience the feeling of making with your hands kind of thing. And the finished project is so loved. Like, I I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, I've, I've seen that, it, like, some of the stuff I've hand-sewn, hand it looks hand-sewn, but it doesn't. It looks like something that's been in your closet for years, and the quality has just upheld for a long, long time, and it's been just like a loved garment. And I love that feature about hand sewing as well how your hands have just been all over it and when you're finished it just is is such a loved thing that's beautiful so um so the kits themselves they contain um a selection of notions that you've hand chosen that are um particular to hand sewing because hand sewing requires hand sewing garment requires certain notions or is best with certain notions that you've yes. um sort of narrowed down for people which is really helpful um so um you can tell us a little bit about that and then you've also um kind of rewritten the instructions for the patterns themselves so you've yes. kind of selected patterns but you've also i guess enhanced the instructions for the hand sewer as well yes so um, the kits come with pre-cut fabric and a drawstring bag with every notion you need. So I designed it for multiple types of people. I designed it for people who have never sewn before. Um, so if you've never sewn before, then you can get the supplies and it comes with everything. Even if you you know, eventually want to use a sewing machine, the supplies and the hand sewing kits can also be used for machine sewing as well. But um, it's like a, a seam ripper, a thimble, a pins and a wrist pin cushion, needles and, th- and thread and, and all of that. Um, so even if you've never sewn before, you can get the box and start sewing immediately. If you have sewn before, um, but you, maybe your sewing machine doesn't work, then you can get this and have all of, all of the supplies there. And if you just want to slow down and just hand sew something, then I designed this for those three types of people. So all of the supplies are included. You don't have to go buy anything. I've had a few people who actually have messaged me and they were like, you know, I didn't know this would have all of this stuff in it. Like I, I thought I would have to go buy something. And I'm like, no, I, 
I gave you everything you need. <laughs> you know, I tried to make sure nobody has to go to the store for anything. It's Which is perfect for the it. pandemic, actually. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and some people are, anybody who is still traveling, you know, if you want to travel with it, then if you take it on a plane, all you have to do is wrap it up and put it in, you know, your bag or something and you can just pull it out and you can start sewing wherever you are as well, too. So I designed it so that it could be completely useful for everybody and anybody can can use it with all the supplies in it. Um, and so it also comes with pre-cut fabric just so you you don't have to, you know, deal with any cutting. And then the, the notches in certain areas are marked so you know what to put together as well. Um, yeah. So. That's amazing. And then the and then the um, pattern has got this sort of supplemental instructions. Yes. So um, I did redo all of the the patterns. We, we have four patterns. So we have the straw to top by So Liberated. We have the free range slacks by So House Seven. We have the Wilder gown, but we only offer the top version because the dress version is just a lot. So <laughs> I do have instructions on the vest dress version included, but I don't offer it as a pre-cut thing because number one, it's just a lot of fabric and it's just a huge undertaking. Um, so I only offer the blouse version in the kits and I offer the Clematis tote by Sarah Kirsten. And so you, I rearranged and I got permission from all the pattern designers to pretty much redo all of their patterns to accommodate them for hand sewing and yeah it was it was actually kind of a fun process um it took a lot of wine drinking but (laughs) (laughs) it was a fun process because I don't think people understand that like to make the instructions I had to like you know make all these things I had to test like all of these things like at least four or five times so I had to hand sew all of these things four or five times. So honestly, ironically, I'm kind of hand sewed out and I've been on my machine like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you need a little break. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but yeah. (laughs) That's super cool. And how have they been doing? Has it taken, like have people reacted well to them? Yeah, they, the day, so we launched September 22nd and they sold out, they were sold, that was a Tuesday. They were all sold out by that Friday actually. We still have some Clematose kits. Um, My goal with the Clematose kits was for sustainability as well. Um, I started using tote bags to go to the grocery store and it's just changed my life. Like I haven't used plastic for anything. There's so much stuff you can fit in the tote bags as well. And so my goal was for them to be used at the grocery store. But it's pandemic. So a lot of people, unfortunately, aren't really going to the grocery store. And a lot of people also are not allowed to use cloth bags at the grocery store as well, just for health reasons because of the pandemic. So that kind of backfired a little bit. But they've also actually seen a lot of um, play. I still have a, a couple in the shop, but the apparel kits sold out super quick, especially for some reason, the free range slacks sold out super quick people went for those first and I I don't understand because they're the hardest thing to make but (laughs) but they went extra quick and I'm glad I mean they're 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 great and we offer linen from uh uh the fabric dash store.com um which is one of the a really great linen supplier that I've 
been using um, and their linens are high quality and really, really great. But those have been the most best selling kits have been the free range slacks. Nice. And so um, and when you look ahead, um, before we get to your recommendations, when we look ahead into, you know, the next couple of years for um, your business, what are you hoping for? What do you think is kind of around the corner? Um, well, I was talking to a friend recently and number one, I would love to get an employee to help me cut. <laughs> that's, that's been a, a thing. Um, so I would love to get a helper to help me cut the patterns in a, in a hopefully bigger space. Um, I don't think I ever saw this being as successful as it was. I mean, I, I hoped it would be, but I didn't really know that it would be as successful as it has been lately. And so now I feel like I can scale it in different ways. Um, the next restock, we're going to have some coaster and tea towel kits for some smaller makes. If you're oh, not I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing how those go. I don't have a lot of the tea towel kits. I just want to see what the interest is first. But I'm looking forward to seeing how those go. The next restock is in November, um, November 17th. So I'm looking forward to, to doing that. I think, you know, the sky's the limit with how many things you can hand sew. I'm just really experimenting with different techniques to find the best way to you know, make it professional looking and make sure everybody's interested. So there's, there's so many ideas that I have in my head. It's just implementing them um, Mm -hmm. for the future. But yeah, that's right now where we are. I mean, I would hope to eventually to get off Etsy and make a a bigger kind of scale thing, um, hopefully in the future. But, you know, I just don't know. And I'm just kind of writing it as it goes just to see how things go. Yeah, I think <laughs> Etsy was probably a smart um, place to start as far as e-commerce is concerned, just because, you know, you were just getting started with this concept oh, yeah. and maybe it wasn't going to work or maybe you weren't going to love it or, you know, it was just sort of um, an experiment really. And so probably yeah. a good place to begin since it's only, you know, 20 cents to list something on Etsy. And if it doesn't sell, it doesn't sell. And you can always, you know, you can set it up really fast and um, it's really like, you know, the marketplace is there. So you might get some organic traffic just from the marketplace too. Yeah. And Melissa of um, a happy stitch is um, a close friend of mine. And she like completely like really sold Etsy to me when I was talking to her about where I should start. And she really said Etsy was been because she sells her product through Etsy. And she said, it's been like one of the most um, successful things for her and that she's loved it. And she's been on there for a while. And so when she gave me that and I, and honestly, it's, it's been great. I mean, after the first, after the launch, um, I had no complaints. Everything went smoothly. It's easy to ship things from there and everything. You get discounts on shipping. It it was just really, it's really user-friendly and easy and the best for, you know, you don't have to do so much work. Right. Exactly. I'm going to be on it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think down the road, it makes sense to set something up on Shopify and have your own, especially because as we talked about earlier, you're so good at building your own audience on Instagram and your blog combined and you probably are driving the traffic that you're getting to your Etsy shop is probably coming from your own traffic that you're driving there through. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting 
expecting that either. But like the the day I created and announced that what what Thimble and Snip was like the the page like had like a thousand followers within like a week, which I had no idea. I had no idea the reception was going to be so interesting for for everybody. Um, but it's it's really been a a blessing, and I have no complaints whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> um, I. At this point, since I'm just a one-woman show, I'm just trying to keep up. So. Right, exactly. So you can always keep the shop there and then have Shopify too or, or you know, or or just have Shopify yeah. down the road. But I think it's smart to, to, to start there. Um, I guess test what I would call like product market fit, you know, just to make sure that yeah. it works and then, um, and then kind of go from there. To me, that seems like a really smart move. So, um, well, congratulations yeah. on that launch and, um, and, and it sounds well, like it, it really suits you. So that's fabulous. And, um, I'll put links in the show notes so people can, um, follow along and, and grab a kit and the next time they go up for sale, if they want one, cause I think they're super Yay. cool. Um, and I want to make sure we get to your recommendations because you have a few good ones. One is your sewing machine. You have a refurbished brother machine. It's an SE625. Yes. So um, I actually uh, have been wanting this machine for a long time. And I was going to – I planned on buying it um, for for myself after the, after the launch if it was successful. But then – after pandemic, everybody started sewing. So the machine went from what used to be like $300 on Amazon to it is now listed as like 635 or something like that, which has been crazy. And I have like looked, I had looked for months, like I was checking like every day, I was checking Facebook marketplace for this machine. Um, and people were, you know, catching on, I found it a few times for 300, but it would be like, four hours out of the way. So I couldn't get it, but I finally found it refurbished and I didn't care. I just wanted it. <laughs> so I found it refurbished for, I think it was three fifty, And I was like, that's cool. It's fine. You know, but it's actually an embroidery and a sewing machine put together. And I really wanted one that does both. And it's pretty heavy duty. It's got a metal inner frame and it's super heavy. Um, it, it's not, too heavy, but it's heavy for a machine. Um, and it's just great. It's touchscreen. It's taught me a lot. Um, it was an upgrade from my last domestic machine was, I don't even remember. It was a brother, but it was like kind of just like an intermediate machine they have in like home economics at school, but it, it got the job done, but I wanted something better than that. That kind of handled more heavy, heavy duty, what I was doing and wouldn't like die after you know, five years. So <laughs> I upgraded. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's so interesting how sewing machines became this hot commodity over the last like six to eight months. Yeah. Yeah. Mask-making. I know. Mask making. I know. It's like a sewing moment. So I know. It's Yeah. And I, I couldn't figure out why at first. I was like, why is this machine twice as much as it was then like last month when the pandemic started, I was like, okay. And then I was like, oh, cause like machines are like the, the thing right now. Right. Like they're probably black market. Like, 
that's like the the new thing. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is going to be a challenge, which is something, you know, I mean, we in the sewing community are like, oh, welcome everyone right. to, to the world of right. <laughs> sewing. Come join the fun. I know. It's great. Yeah. It's great for us. Yeah. No, I like welcome everybody for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So um, I know you're looking forward to um, the new Visible Mending book by um, Aruna from Boku, which I'm totally looking forward to as well. Um, yeah. She'll be coming out soon, and she's been on the podcast. She is just, like, so talented and fabulous. She's so great. She is. She's actually a lot of inspiration that um, got me to doing this. She was one of the um, people that, once I saw her, she does a lot of hand sewing and and things like that, too, because she does, of course, visible mending. Um, But just her easy approach to everything was really inspirational to me. And so um, I, I love the... The sewing books, the sewing needle books she makes, and just she has like a super colorful account too yeah. with her punch needling and everything. And I just love that she works with her hands a lot. So I'm really looking forward to her new book, and I think it's it's great. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the needle book um, <laughs> tutorial she has in, in it because I'm gonna be uh, offering needle books this next time around. Oh, so good. I really I love inspiration like that, um, seeing different things. And she does these cool patch needle books that she has as well. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the projects that are in the books. They just look so cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pre-order that book um, because I just think it looks fabulous. And she's totally the right person. She's been doing so many cool um, like darning tutorials and just like really old fashioned talk about old fashioned like really old fashioned forms of visible mending that you don't see all the time printing yeah Yeah. she had a really cool block yeah she I don't know she's like a jack of all trades she's just fabulous so (laughs) I know she's awesome and her Instagram is so inspiring so that's great Um, and then your last recommendation was sewing through your stash for your fall wardrobe which is fabulous too yeah so I actually failed at that. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you buy more fabric? Yeah. It's it's hard I, to resist. I over celebrated after the launch and I just <laughs> bought a lot of fabric. Like a it's lot okay. of fabric. We forget. And, and we are the fabric store. They had a sale on stripes and and like everything was fifty percent off. I I just failed, Abby. I just It's failed. okay. We totally so, forgive you. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also do realize that, you know, I have been, um, I, I do an intentional making uh, board where I plan out all my makes on my Instagram. And so um, I went through the first set of outfits pretty quick. And I realized that that wasn't the intention. The intention was to kind of go through it kind of slower. So I have a new set of projects and everything that I'm going to be making with my current stash. And I'm going to try to go through it a lot slower. And a lot of them are knits and I'm not really a fan of sewing with knits. So I'm going to be like, this is more of a learning process and I'm going to be doing a lot of slow sewing over the winter. Um, It's like, it just started freezing out here lately too. So I'm kind of just going to be taking it easy and doing more hand sewing and everything like that. Um, through the stash. So this stash hopefully 
will remain the stash and nothing will be added over the next six months. <laughs> goals, <laughs> right? Totally. To- <laughs> total goals. I just bought some fabric. Actually, some arrived yesterday, so I'm not going to talk about it, but it's fine. It's all good. It's because I started yeah, a new project same. and then I was like, I don't have quite the right thing and I need more white and I don't know. So anyway, yeah. I, I, I go through the same thing. It's like, well, my closet could use more 17 colors, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, that's that's what happened. <laughs> so Alexis, thank you for taking the time to be on the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, you too, Abby. Thank you for having me. And you've been listening to the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today's episode was brought to you by Makerist. Find your next best crafting project on Makerist.com. Plus, support independent pattern designers from all over the world. You can read exclusive designer interviews and discover new patterns on their designer spotlight at makerist.com slash designer dash spotlight. Thank you so much, Makerist. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals. When you become a member of Craft Industry Alliance, you get in-depth coverage of craft industry news, the opportunity to connect with fellow professionals for advice and support, and access to an educational library filled with ideas, tools, and resources to help you as you build your business. Join us at craftindustryalliance.org. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.